Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful, Lord, that we can sing praises to you, that we can sing about your love and your grace and your mercy and your salvation towards us, and we're thankful for that. We pray now this morning as we spend time in your word that it's helpful for us, that it inspires us to live a life that's more pleasing to you and to actually share that Christmas spirit, Lord, that you've given us with other people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So for the weeks leading into Christmas, we're dealing with this concept of Christmas spirit. And if you remember last week, we learned from Romans 8 that as believers in Jesus, we have a choice. We have a choice to live by the flesh or to live by the Spirit or the Holy Spirit, which for our purposes in this series is going to be the Christmas Spirit, right? Living by that Christmas Spirit or the Holy Spirit. So basically, it starts with a mindset, a mindset, a choice. Do I live by the flesh or do I live by the Spirit? So our first topic last week was the topic of thankfulness. So we learned seven things that believer, as believers we can be thankful to God for. Today what we're going to do is we're going to learn about encouragement. We're going to learn about the spirit of encouragement. So the first thing I want to look at is this. Why should we encourage others? Why should we encourage others? I believe there's three reasons at least. And the first one is this. People love encouragement. People love encouragement. Okay, we all love to be encouraged, and because we love that, it's safe to say that the people around us also love encouragement. You know, maybe you're at odds with somebody right now, and a good way to break down some of those barriers is to encourage them. Maybe you want to get to know somebody better. Maybe there's somebody at school or work that, you know, you're like, I, I kind of want to strike up a friendship. Well, a good way to kind of do that is encourage them. Maybe someone did something that inspired or encouraged you. So a good way to encourage them is to actually tell them. Sometimes we're inspired and encouraged by somebody else and we never even think to say, hey, you know what? You've been so encouraging to me. And guess what? They're going to be encouraged by that. So the first reason is this. People love encouragement. The second reason is God tells us to encourage other people, okay? So if, if you're not motivated by the fact that somebody's going to love to hear encouraging things, you should be motivated by the fact that God says so, okay? God says so. God tells us to encourage other people. And listen to what 1 Thessalonians says. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. So Paul, writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica, was encouraged by them. He basically said, you guys continue to encourage one another and build each other up like you guys are doing. I'm so encouraged by the fact that you are actually following God, doing what you're supposed to be doing. In fact, they were doing this so well, so Paul decided, you know what, I got to tell these people. Well, for you and I, we have to remember the way we speak to the people around us should be with a spirit of encouragement and an intention to build them up. We should look at the people around us, family, friends, co-workers, schoolmates, whoever is around us, and we should think to ourselves, you know what? Is this going to build them up? Is this going to encourage them? Or is this going to tear them down? Is this going to discourage them? Hebrews 10 says it this way. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, 
and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So now the writer of Hebrews is saying the day drawing near is actually talking about Jesus's return. So God is telling us, until Jesus returns, you should be encouraging one another. So for you and I as believers, if you are in fact a believer in Christ, you are waiting for the day that Jesus returns. While you're waiting, here's what you need to do. You need to encourage one another. Encourage one another to do good. Encourage one another to do what we're doing right now, meeting together. Encourage one another to actually love one another. Why? Well, God knows we need it. And God also knows that when we encourage other people, here's what happens. We start paying attention to them. We start paying attention to their needs. You know, sometimes in life it's easy, and we're all guilty of this, I think. We get caught up. We kind of forget about other people, and we just think about ourselves. Okay, how does this make me feel? What do I need? What do I want? Think about it. When you come to church, some, sometimes you might have that mindset. Is it going to be good today? Am I going to like the music? Is the message going to hit me? Right? Well, why not walk into church and say, hey, you know what? I'm here. Who needs me to encourage them? What can I say to help someone else out? You know, church isn't just singing songs and listening. It's also the fellowship that we enjoy together. Being And just sometimes some people, maybe in this room, some of the only positive human contact you have during the whole week is just some of the kind words that somebody might say just coming here. So sometimes we get so caught up in just what we need and we forget there's, there's actually other people around us. Now, the third reason we should encourage is this. God encourages us. God encourages us. So people love encouragement. God tells us to encourage. But you know what? God also encourages us. Listen to what Romans 15 says. Romans 15 says this. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So the scriptures were written for our instruction. You know, people are trying to navigate life. We're trying to navigate life. And we need instruction. We need guidance. We need ideas, so to speak right? Well, we should go to God's word for that. God's word is written for our instruction. We live in kind of this post-Christian generation, right? People don't know really much about God's word. They don't really think that it can provide instruction. Maybe they think it's antiquated, but the truth is, is the scriptures are written for our instruction, but they're also written for our encouragement so that we might have hope. Which brings us really to this, how we can share the spirit of encouragement. You know, because some of us, maybe you're like me, you're like, kind of like what, what do I say? Okay, what do I say? We, we struggle. Like, how, how can I really encourage other people? Okay, God tells me to, but what do I do? Well, I want to suggest to you and I want to teach you the way that we can encourage people is by doing this, sharing the scriptures with others. If we're trying to have this Christmas spirit and share with others, a helpful and encouraging way to do that is by sharing God's word with other people. This is very important in our post-Christian culture because of this. People don't really have much of an idea of what the scriptures say. Maybe you don't have that much of an idea of what the scriptures say. So 
when we go to encourage other people, using what God's word says actually will encourage them because guess what? God's word is living and active and powerful. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It will not come back void. When you use God's word, there's power in his words. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, how do I share God's word? Do I just like bring my Bible to work and start reading it really loud so other people hear me? Do I make a bumper sticker so this way when I cut somebody off, be like, Jesus loves you, okay? <laughs> do I look at what people are doing wrong and find Bible verses to point out what they're doing wrong? <laughs> you could do those things, right? And they might work for you. But here's what I want to teach you. Here's what I want to teach you is as a believer in Christ, you need to figure out the needs of the people around you and find scriptures to encourage them with. Figure out the needs of the people around you and find scriptures to encourage them with. Encourage by definition is simply this. Give support, confidence, or hope to someone. Support, confidence, or hope. So as a believer, we want to support the people around us we want to give them confidence, and we want to give them hope. So here's what I'm going to do. I want to share with you some common needs, because some of you are like, how am I going to figure out these needs? Okay. I want to share with you the common needs that I believe that all people have. The scriptures kind of tell us that all people have these needs. These are some common needs. There's seven of them. Some of you might have friends or family members that have a different need, so you're going to have to get studying, right? You're going to have to figure out what the Bible says about those needs. But I'm going to give you seven common needs and some scriptures that you can share with them so that you can encourage them. So the first and most important common need of all people is the need for salvation. The need for salvation Everyone needs to be saved. And until a person trusts in Jesus, I do not believe that they can ever be satisfied, ever be fulfilled, or ever have true peace. So Ephesians 2 says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses or sins, okay? There's the need. You and I, dead in our sins. There's the need. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So this passage tells us our need is we are sinners and we need to be forgiven. God being rich in mercy and in his great love sent Jesus to save us, to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sins. Paul teaches us then our position in Christ. When you believe in Jesus, our position in Christ is we're raised to life. So here's, what, here's basically the mental picture. We're spiritually dead, and when we trust in Christ, we're spiritually made alive. We're walking around as dead people walking, basically, spiritually, before we trust in Christ. So what Paul teaches us through the scriptures is this that our position in Christ is now we're alive. Now we're spiritually alive. This passage goes on to say this. It goes on to say, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, 
not a result of works so that no one may boast. Our life now in Christ is that we are recipients of his riches, his grace, his kindness. When you trust in Jesus as your Savior, that he died on the cross and rose from the grave, you are saved. You have received God's gift. It's nothing that you did. You did not work for it. You cannot earn it. We can't save ourselves with our good works. But Jesus saves us by laying down his life for us, meeting our salvation need. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. You might have relationships with unbelievers, right? And you're at odds with them, maybe. Maybe you talk about different things that are going on in the world, and you have an opinion on this, and they have an opinion on this, right? And you think you need to convince them of your opinions so that you can kind of have harmony with one another. You're like, oh, they need to, to agree with this. Then we could have harmony. Then we won't have these debates and stuff. But here's the thing. If that person is an unbeliever, their first and foremost need is salvation. When they become a Christian, just like when you trust in Jesus, they will receive the Holy Spirit, just like you receive the Holy Spirit. And here's what happens. All of a sudden, God will change them just like he changed you. Some of you right now, especially those of you who became a Christian maybe later in life, you think and do things way differently than you used to. Maybe you think and do things way differently than you used to, and you could think of your non-Christian self actually making fun of you now, okay? You can think like, man, my non-Christian self would think I'm such a nerd now. <laughs> but I'm not, because I'm a Christian. And Jesus is living through me. And I didn't understand that before I was a Christian because I was dead. I was spiritually dead. I couldn't fully understand it. So when you're dealing with unbelievers in your life, you have to realize their first and most important need is their need for salvation. Jesus takes care of that when they trust in him. The next need that we all have is this, the need for purpose. See, now that we've trusted in Jesus, we have a need for purpose. Now, sometimes even us, fellow believers, we miss this. We trust in Jesus, and then we still kind of feel a little empty. Right? We try to like, oh, I heard the pastor say this, or I heard somebody say this. The guy on the radio said this. The Bible teacher said, oh, once you trust in Jesus, you're going to feel the fullness. And maybe at first you did. You're like, yay, Jesus, I'm a Christian now. right? And then all of a sudden you're just kind of like, really feel that excited. You know what? Maybe it's because church wasn't good this week, so I don't feel that excited. I wasn't really that inspired, or whatever your mind is telling you, right? But maybe it's because you're not living on purpose. You're just living for yourself. So here's what the scripture goes on to say in Ephesians 2. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here's what happened. God created each one of us, saved each one of us for the purpose of good works that he has in mind for us to do. In fact, he already has those works planned out for us. We just need to act and walk in those works. So you might be dealing with a friend that needs encouragement to do those works. Maybe you have a friend or a family member or something, they, they feel like they have a lack of purpose, and you're like, you know what? I, I want to tell you. Ephesians 2.10 tells us you're created to do good, to follow after God. 
Maybe they're not doing anything bad or sinful. They're just not doing anything. Okay? They're just not, you know, they're not doing anything offensive to God. They're just kind of like status quo. They're not walking in the good works. So we need to encourage them, or we need to encourage ourselves, right, by this scripture. Now, some of you might be asking, well, what are those good works? What are the good works that God created me to do? And, and, and my answer to that is, I'm not 100% sure what the good works God has for you, but I know who is, okay? God is 100% sure. He knows what he wants you to do, so here's what he tells you to do. Pray to him. Ask him. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel with my eye upon you. If you're struggling, maybe as a Christian, for encouragement on what to do, start asking God. God, what do you want me to do? Oh, when, when that person needed help or, or there was a service opportunity and I heard and I said, somebody should really take care of that. Maybe God was saying, it's you, okay? Wake up, wake up. Walk in the good works. It was right before you, and you just was like, eh, I don't really care. I'm so focused on myself. I don't have time for that. I don't feel like it. There's so much better things to do, so many better things to do. So the next common need that I want to share with you is this, the need for belonging. Ephesians 4.12 says, and though a man, or excuse me, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, Two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, people want to belong and feel included. People want it. That's why, you know, you see all around, you know, the community, the world, really, you see groups, right, form. I remember when my, when my sons were in, like, Cub Scouts, and, you know, we bring them to Cub Scouts, and there was, like, the leadership of Cub Scouts and all that stuff. And I was like, this is, like, almost, like, structured like a church, right? There's, like, People that are doing this, people that are doing that, and everybody comes together and they talk and they have a cup of coffee and then they sit down and somebody talks from the front. I'm like, and then if you go around to all different groups, there's a lot of structure like this, in a sense. It's because people just inherently have this need to belong. And I'm not saying that any of those things are bad, right? But if they take the place of God's family where we're supposed to belong to, that can become a problem, obviously. But people have this deep-rooted need to feel belonging. I remember years ago when I was a youth pastor, a young girl that became a believer shared her testimony. And in her testimony, she literally said this in her testimony. So-and-so invited me to youth group. I didn't get many invites to anything, so I figured I'd go. I didn't get many. So she had this desire to belong and one of the students in the youth ministry said, hey, hey, you want to come to youth group? They didn't know that they had this. Maybe there was something fun going on. Maybe they were trying to reach out to this person. I don't know what the backstory was. But this young girl wanted to belong. And somebody invited her to a place where she heard the words of life. You know, for you and I on this Christmas season, right? People might want to come to church, but you never invited them. You know how intimidating it could be to walk through that front door if you don't know anybody or anything, right? I mean, would you just walk into some place that you didn't know anything about and you saw a bunch of people going in? You're like, okay, they have some nice lights out front, but is that enough to get them in, right? 
and, and it might be very intimidating. They actually say that most people will not go to a church unless they know some people there because they want to know that it's safe. You know, so if they know you and you're not weird, they might listen and, and come, you know? If you are weird, okay, you're a bad representation of Jesus, okay? <laughs> so here's the thing. Maybe they just need an invite from you because they want to belong. You know, when we have that belonging, that companionship, we actually have people to encourage. I love this verse. It says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. This verse reminds me of this. When, when something good happens, what do you do? You run to the people closest to you. You're like, yes, I want to tell you this. Something bad happens to you, you run to the people closest to you, and you're like, oh, believe this happened. Like, I want to tell you this. Think about it. If you don't have anybody, what do you do? You post on Facebook, right? <laughs> um, so, but here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you have companionship, you have those people to run to. You have those people to tell what's going on. And the real companionship are the people that when you're rejoicing, they rejoice. And when you're weeping, they weep. They're not like, glad that happened to you. They weep with you because they love you. You have companionship with them. You belong. One of the things that's so inspiring about being part of a local church is you have people that will rejoice and will weep along with you when you're going through those times of celebration or those times of great difficulty. Now, the next common need goes along with belonging, and that's the need to feel valued or to, be, to, to feel valued. Our culture screaming this, right? Value me. Okay, validate me. I'm important. How do I know this? Social media, right? That's how we know this. Value me. Look at me. Look what I ate. Look where I went. Look what I did. Look what I, what you, all that stuff. We all know this. It's so old hat right now, but it, it shows the human heart, right? I feel like people should look at me. You know, we can encourage others by reminding them even if others don't seem to value you, there is a God who does. His name is Jesus, and here's what he says. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. You will find that people will turn to the Lord when others turn away from them. When they feel alone, they don't belong. When they feel like they're not valued, here's what happens. Somebody like you might share the Lord with them and tell them how much the Lord values them. So much so that the birds of the air that fall to the ground, God knows each one, you're so much more important. The reason is they realize that he is the one that they can depend on. There's no greater feeling than knowing that God is there for you, no matter what. Now, the next common need, and this is very pertinent in this time of year, and that is the need for stress relief, okay? 
Stressful time of year, isn't it? Things are happening quick. There's a lot of demands on us, right? Maybe you're going through something difficult and now you have to move into the holiday season, which that also adds like layers upon layers of things that you need to do, that you're obligated to do, things that you need to get. And, you know, I'm stressing some of you out just talking about it, right? But here's what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this is very pointing to salvation, what Jesus is talking about. But I think we can apply it and share it with other people because sometimes we just get stressed out and we do not know what to do. We do not know which way to turn. Maybe that's you. Jesus is saying, cast them on me. I got you. Work's tough. You're stressed. Raising kids, tough, you're stressed. Your marriage, tough, you're stressed. All the demands on you, tough, you're stressed. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Cast your burdens on him. You can encourage someone else. Here's what I do when I'm stressed out. I cast my burdens on Jesus. You can't say that if you don't do it, right? But this is what the scriptures teach us to do so we can share that with other people. Our next, also a pertinent need, especially this time of year, our next need is the need for comfort. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is a great verse to share with others because the comfort is the fact that the Lord is there for us. In 2 Corinthians Paul actually instructs the believers. He says, comfort one another as you have been comforted by the Lord. Comfort one another as you have been comforted by the Lord. You know, you may have someone in your life that this is their first Christmas. Maybe it's you. First Christmas without a loved one. Comfort them. Share scripture with them. Send them a text. Call them. Maybe they have a health issue or someone in their family, someone that they love does. Comfort them. Maybe it's a financial or relation issue. Comfort them. There's so many things that people around us are going through that we can't fix. And here, here's you know, what some of us might do. When somebody's going through something difficult and we know we have nothing to, to, no way to fix it, we kind of avoid them. Well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm kind of afraid because like, I, I feel like I should be doing something, but there's really not much that I can do. In fact, there's nothing that I could do that can fix the problem they have. Well, guess what? Comfort them. From the scriptures. This is where sometimes you have to do your homework. Study the scriptures. Learn some scriptures that will help that you can pass on to other people. Remember, there's power in the scriptures. There's power to comfort. You might be sitting here and thinking, I have somebody in my life that nothing that I could say or do would ever comfort them. Nothing is impossible with God. Use his word. That's how we can encourage others. And the final need is, I think, something that we all kind of want, and that is joy. That is joy. When the star, when, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. This is the account of the birth of Jesus. The wise men rejoiced, right? That's what we're celebrating this time of year. The wise men rejoiced with exceedingly, exceedingly with joy. 
because the promised Savior has come. We all love joy, right? We all love to laugh and have joy. If you don't, you're kind of weird. You're kind of a curmudgeon, right? So here's the thing. We all want that joy. Most people we know want joy, and they're filling their lives with things and experiences that they think will bring them joy, right? That's what we do. We fill our lives with things and experiences to fill us joy. We go on a great vacation because we want joy. We have a good time, right? And then we come back. And then we fill it with something else. And I'm not saying these things don't bring a degree of joy, right? We all love a great vacation. We all love maybe nice stuff or whatever. It brings a sense, like little glimmers of joy, so we know what joy actually is. But none of those things are ever going to bring you joy, the fullness of joy that Jesus can bring. None of those things. Just temporary little glimpses. Temporary little glimpses. Temporary little glimpses. But now, you and I as believers, like this passage says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy because a Savior has been born. We have a joy implanted in us because of Jesus that we could share with others. We can use that joy to actually bring hope into their life. So as believers, now, we have this opportunity, don't we? This Christmas time, right? To see the needs that the people around us have and take the opportunity to encourage them. We can be there to point them to the one that can encourage them, the one that can help them in their time of need, the one that, most importantly, can save them. This Christmas season, walk in the Christmas spirit of encouragement. You know, today is Communion Sunday, and we're going to observe what Jesus told us to observe at the end of his life. Communion is an encouragement to you and I because we're reminded what Jesus has done. That's why you're here this morning. You're here because what Jesus has done. So communion is a constant reminder. That's why each week you always hear the gospel message. Okay? Because maybe there's somebody that comes through these doors that doesn't know Jesus. But maybe every single person that comes through the doors on a Sunday morning knows Jesus. And in fact, if I stood at the front door, they came in and they said, oh, I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe. And, and then I got up here and said, I don't need to share the gospel this week because everybody told me that they are a believer in Christ. Well, the truth is, I still share the gospel. Why? Because that's why we worship Jesus. Do you know they actually worship Jesus and share the gospel in heaven? Last I checked, nobody needs to be saved up there, okay? I'm probably not wrong on that one. They're praising for the shed blood of the Lamb. Communion is a time for you and I to remember the shed blood of Jesus for my sins in my place. The second thing, that communion is a reminder and an encouragement that if I'm going through something, if I'm dealing with any sin, or if I'm dealing with any struggles, it's a reminder that I can't solve it. But Jesus can. It's a humble reminder to us, I can't do it on my own. Some of you have been trying for years, even decades, to clean up your act. You're not cleaning it up yourself. Jesus is the one that's going to come in and do that. You just have to let him. 
You have to allow him to work in your life. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with, communion is a time for you to just say, Lord, I need you. Maybe you can't even put that to words. But Paul says in Romans that the Spirit will intervene for you. So maybe when you bow your heads and maybe you do this every month, you bow your head and you're like, I don't even know what to say here because I'm just all over the map. Just in quietness, ask Jesus to help you. So I'm going to give you a few moments of silence and then we'll partake together. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it. He said, this is my body given up for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the cup of my blood, the cup of the new covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Please bow as I close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful that together in the quiet, we can focus our attention on you. We can focus our attention on the struggles that we might have that you can guide us and help us with, on the salvation that you've provided for us. We pray as believers that we leave this place sharing the Christmas spirit, more specifically of encouragement, looking to encourage the people around us. Maybe it might be something simple as I'm praying for you. I just pray, Lord, that each one of us takes opportunities with the people around us to share what your holy word has to say so that they can receive eternal life when they trust in you. I pray for the believers in this room that might be struggling with something. I pray that they're encouraged by your word and what we learned this morning. So I pray as we leave this place that you would be glorified with the lives that we live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.